Today we are talking about Blade Runner 2049, Avatar sequels, and the only reason half of you are probably listening, an interview with everyone's favorite island boy and wizard, Justin McElroy. All this and more, this is Nerds with Mics. Hey everyone, I'm Maxwell. I'm Travis. And I'm Justin. And today we have with us Justin McElroy. Justin, hey. would you like to say hello? Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that now. Here comes. Get ready. Hello. <laughs> Perfect. You nailed epic. it. I know it's not your, you know, it's uh, something you don't have a whole lot of experience with podcasting. So we'll try to ease you through this as Thank much as we can. Thank you. Yeah, be, yeah. be gentle. <laughs> so this is actually episode 70 of Nerds with Mics. We've recorded this today on September 27th of 2017. And for those of you that haven't listened, this this is a podcast about movies, TV shows, games, technology, and much more. And today we're getting into that much more uh, big time. We'd appreciate it if you guys would take a moment and subscribe to us while you can here on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting apps. Uh, and Justin McElroy, this is the part where we usually get into what we've been up to. And I know a lot of fans have probably already know what you're up to on either Twitter or listening to those live shows. But... Um, would you mind taking the reins on this? Let us know what you've been up to the last couple of days. Uh, well, I've been, let's see, we're hiring at Polygon, the video game site I co-founded and I'm editor at large at, we're hiring for a video producer. So I've been watching a lot of like video cover letters and things like that. So that's been really cool. There's been a lot of really good applicants um, and also a lot of Destiny 2 has, has been the bulk of... <laughs> You know, pretty much all I have time for right now, but you have to have priorities, and that's the important Same. thing. Same. I've been spending way too much time playing that game. Um, yeah, actually, Justin from our show is uh, absolutely hates Destiny, the first one, but he is really liking yeah. Destiny 2. So. Yeah, I called the first one the worst game of this generation but the second one i'm hooked on it i can't stop playing it well, it's so good that's buck wild one it's objectively wrong <laughs> two the, same uh, Destiny one, one was actually an excellent game um uh, that got much better it was not very good at the beginning it was very yeah. flawed still worst game of the generation is an absolutely ludicrous but i know that was that you should be ashamed harsh of. criticism uh and also <laughs> destiny 2 is fundamentally the same game with some quality of life improvements so you are you are <laughs> jaded and you have deluded yourself in a pretty major way oh gosh five minutes in wow wow yeah. four minutes in and you I completely just, got I, trust me on this i played a lot of both of them so i'm basically an yeah. expert and yeah, I, I believe you. I believe yeah. you. Uh, I just, I just can't get into the first one. The second one, though, I'm loving it. What it's is the just, difference like, for you? I'd love to hear this. What is? Go ahead. I, it just doesn't me, feel as bland. It's just hand uh, you a shovel and let you keep digging. <laughs> I would love to do that. Uh, it just, I don't know. It feels like a, a better game. And to be fair, I didn't play. I didn't play any of the expansions for the first one. Okay. Even though I bought them all. Okay, yeah, so you the only played Vanilla Death. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah you could be forgiven for. Having some Thank pretty you. major problems with the. Well, okay. Let's not go buck wild, okay? You still okay, are saying insane things about it being the worst game of the generation. But uh, you can be forgiven for thinking that that is a fundamentally very flawed product because it was okay. tough to love. Destiny 2, though, all those rough edges are gone and it is just an addiction yep. machine, which is fantastic. Yes. Very much yeah, so. congrats on beating the raid. Uh, the raid, by the way, but word is on the street that you're never going to do it again. Uh, so. It is so. All the raids have been 
had like rough edges sanded off over time. Um, I expect that will be the, that happens in two ways. One, it getting patched, but two people start to figure out either cheesy ways or just best practices that make it a lot more palatable. Um, I think if I dip back in, it would probably be easier. I just, um, there's enough other, they used to be the, that was the only in game content sort of worth doing. I mean, you do your nightfall every week and that would be about it. Um, and they've certainly done a better job so far of giving you other stuff to do. Like I haven't needed to do the raid because I've had a lot of other things cooking, um, to advance me, but it is also just like. The one issue with Destiny, and I really, I mean, people will debate this, but it, it is it is tough to incorporate as part of, like, a regular adult life that with responsibilities and stuff. Because it's like, I'm lucky in that my a big part of my job is playing video games so I can make windows for it, but, like, it ain't easy. Yeah. Right. Um, especially right. those raids are, they are tough to find the time to do. Absolutely, especially if you're doing four to eight hours at a time, especially if you're going through it for the first time, because that can be a challenging. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the first time before you, if you're trying to go in blind, like, forget about it. It took me, it took me a long time. <laughs> Let's just say that. And there are also some, like, little glitchy things and uh, stuff with, like, ammo not dropping as much as you need it to and things like that that I'm hoping will will be a little bit better over time. But right. Still, right. excellent game. Yep. Yeah. So, Justin, if you're done soaking from your wounds of getting burnt, uh, <laughs> uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I have played some Destiny 2. And uh, that actually is it. I went to a Manchester Orchestra concert last night in Columbus, and I realized I'm too old to go to concerts. <laughs> <laughs> I hurt. <laughs> but uh, other than that, not much. Good. Good. Uh, Maxwell? Yeah. Uh, so I played a little bit of Overwatch and worked. So that's it. My life. Overwatch and work. Uh, Yeah, other than myself, I did a little bit of work yesterday, and then I literally played Destiny all day. It's all about that grind. So other than that, that's pretty much all that that I've done. So, All um, right. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to get into our movie and TV news, and uh, of course, Justin's going to join us this time. So um, Justin Fleming, why don't you jump in and give us our first one here? Turd Ferguson is going to be his name through the entire episode. Yeah, we call me Turd Ferguson. I'm fine with that. Um, Especially after the whole Destiny 2 thing. (laughs) You want to forget your identity. Um, So uh, there are two things I love when it comes to film, and that is movies centered around history and movies directed by Martin Scorsese that star Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, worlds will collide when Scorsese will direct DiCaprio in an upcoming biopic on our 26th president, Teddy Roosevelt. I know you guys love history. Am I right? You're the history buff out of this I know. Gosh. <laughs> I like science. Uh, no release date, but I saw that today, and I thought that was neat. So, yeah, should be good. Maybe for you. I, I don't know anybody. I mean, I know. Our guests may be excited for it. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, uh, uh, so I haven't seen any of the, I, I didn't read this story because of Destiny, uh, and that's going to apply pretty broadly here. Uh, but... <laughs> How sort of like yes. in the works does it seem? Because I once got really excited about a Leonardo DiCaprio biopic about uh, the history of Atari that I was like really amped for, and that never came to fruition. Does that does this seem like it's really actually happening? It's early in it's early in stages. Like no shooting schedule or anything like that has uh, been set. I think it actually news just broke of it today. Right on. Uh, so yeah, it could be very much like the Atari movie. We may never see it, but God, I hope so. Yeah. Hey, Atari, Atari did make some good money when they sued Kit Kat over that commercial. So. <laughs> so maybe they, they can make it yeah 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 so yeah. um listen 
I'm a big fan of Blade Runner, and we got this new one coming out. Blade Runner 2049 uh, is a weekend away, and critic reviews are here. A movie brought to us by Ridley Scott and directed by Denis Villeneuve. I don't know. I already say his name. Uh, sounds promising, but I also remember Alien Covenant getting praised by critics, and then I watched it and cried on the inside and the outside. <laughs> so needless to say, the fact that they are loving Blade Runner 2049 scares me a bit. Now, the feedback from critics is traditionally something worthy of tossing in the trash these days, because to me, it seems like they rate the uh, opposite of what fans actually think. Uh, however, they did seem on par with Get Out, It, Spider-Man, and Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, Stronger. It just came out this past weekend. I'm just always skeptical of what they want to say. Now, critics are calling this a sci-fi masterpiece and that it's visually mind-blowing and best of 2017. This is what I want it to be, but is it possible? What do you think? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think the cast is great. I think... uh, you know, I think obviously the story will be there. Um, however, I'm kind of leery like you as well uh, with some of the critic reviews. I, it's hard for me to buy into a lot of critic reviews. I'm kind of one of those people that I have to go see it myself to kind of make that assessment. Um, but I definitely feel like the cast is there. The story is probably there. The right people were involved. Um, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, so what do you guys think? I mean, I've, I've heard it could be uh – you know, Oscar, an Oscar contender even. So I don't, the trailer looks really good. It looks good. The cast does look incredible. It could really go either way. Yeah. I want to hear some Just, more about this, uh, this, this critics and fan, the gulf between that. Like what are, can you give me some examples of like places where you feel like the critics have been high or low on something that like fans. Have this liked? doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you and your company rate stuff. Does it? <laughs> uh, no. I mean, I I do video game reviews, and I'm yeah. always like right about those. My taste is pretty much impeccable uh, in terms of that stuff, and and probably better than other people in my field. Certainly, I've been at it a long time, uh, so I'm pretty much always right about that. But I'm curious, like, yeah, I'm just like, I don't know. I I, I think this is really interesting, so I, I'm just curious about. Well, as an example, like Alien Covenant, whenever they did the uh, screening for critics, they thought this was like. Ridley Scott's back. The Alien franchise is back. It's the horror roots are here. And then when it came out, I watched it and was like, there was 30 minutes in the middle of it that I was happy with. And the rest of it was just garbage, especially the ending. So that's like a massive example for me. But I can't think of any off the top of my head at the moment. But traditionally, when I look at reviews, I don't even look at critics anymore because they're so all over. Isn't all over is good, though, right? I mean, all over is what you would want, right? I mean, isn't well, that like an ideal scenario? I mean, I guess if I'm looking at all the different critics, they can be all over in that aspect, yes. Um, maybe the problem is that they take all the critics and just shove them into one generalized rating, where fans are, well, I don't know. That's See, kind of that, the same that, problem, I think you're hitting, it, on the, <laughs> I think you're hitting the, the thing, right? It's like there are, okay, if you took all the people in the world and you did a division of like people who are really passionate about um, alien, right? And then, and then people who were like, thought it was okay, but maybe weren't as passionate about it. Like, I think that would probably be pretty close to the, the, what you see reflected in like those sort of like rotten tomato scores, which is the problem with those sort of homogeneous ways of blending critical scores is it try, it, it sort of turns where, where I tend to bristle is like, 
this idea that critics are a, a hive mind, right? Like critics, each person who reviews a thing goes into it with a very different sort of preconceived notion of what they like and the things that they are looking for in a movie and sort of their taste level. Um, and I think that like the problem with lumping them in, and I'm not saying you're doing this, I'm saying things like Rotten Tomatoes or whatever is like, it doesn't allow for that. It just tries to make something that's really personal and subjective into something that is objective. Like this is objectively a good thing because 70% of people liked it. And I just don't think that's very useful. Like maybe if, if you don't, I'll tell you when it's useful is when you don't care very much about something, right? If you may want to go see a movie and you think like, I don't know, is is this one any good? It's maybe useful for that. But if you really care about something, I don't think those like, like the sort of overarching critical engines like Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic are, are very useful for that sort of thing. Right. I guess to, to that point, I guess a lot of times when we're looking at critic reviews, we all assume that that every critic values the exact same thing or they, they value the same things that we do. And I think a lot of times if they don't agree with what we may say, it's easy for us to kind of want to poke holes in the review, so to speak, because we just all assume that they care and they rate everything the exact same way, which is not the, which is obviously not the case. Cause that's something that you obviously talked about that when somebody writes a review, uh, they may have different things that they're passionate about. And maybe the thing that they're reviewing may not align with that. Um, and I think you're right to the point that reviews should be different, right? They should be, uh, they all shouldn't be the same. And I think sometimes that's why you see, like, like, as an example, like Kingsman Golden Circle, like Rotten Tomatoes, 50 percent audience is 73 percent, just as an example. Uh, and that's one of the reasons you see that huge delta sometimes. I think. Well, and keep in mind also, like the those scores reflect two different very groups of people. One is a group of people who are paid to see everything and a group of people who care about Kingsman. So there's definitely like a selection bias in those numbers. And not to say one is like. Yeah right or wrong but like it it's two different it's two different perspectives you know what i mean it's not like i bet in the in that in that scoring of like fans you don't have a lot of people who are like i never like kingsman again with i don't really give a shit but i'm gonna go ahead and rate this anyway and and check in on it you know what i mean like you it draws people passionate i run into this all the time with video game reviews where like the I have to review a lot of different games and i make it my business to try to play as much different stuff as i can and the, that's the perspective that I'm coming at a review from is like in the grand scape of video games and where video gaming is now, this is where I think this game stands in, in the landscape. But if you really care about a franchise, um, there are certain games where like it's another one of those things that hits really hard for you and is something that you really are passionate about. So a lot of those flaws are going to be something you'll be able to be like, well, not uh, obviously this is not a big deal because this is the next one of these things that I like. Like I am much less tolerant of people talking about Destiny 2's problems because I adore Destiny and it's another Destiny and I can't see why you would be upset because it's Destiny 2. It's another Destiny. Right. So like who cares about the right. problems? And that's the perspective like that's the that's the the perspective that I think fans are coming at it from uh sometimes, which I think kind of creates that gulf. Yeah, no, that's a really I'm good sorry point. To blow V8. It, this is something. I oh think no, about no, no. A lot. no, 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 not at all. Uh, and one of the things too is, is like I'm weird in the sense that like I read more into game reviews than I do movie reviews. Like I care more about what a person values in a game 
than a movie because I care more about games than I do see movies, which is just me personally. Well, so. yeah, I think that's fair, and you invest a lot more of your personal time and emotions. Absolutely, into the games. yeah, absolutely, yeah. And a game, it can be like a game can be broken, right? And that would prevent it from being fun or enjoyable. Whereas a movie, even if it's a bad movie, you can still enjoy it. Like the uh, what's that movie you always reference? What? They're making a spoof uh, parody of it. Oh, uh, The Room? Yeah, like I'm sure that's a funny, enjoyable movie, but I'm also sure it's terrible. Uh, it's pretty awful. It's, <laughs> it's so bad that it's awful. So. Yeah. But yeah, so now one of the reasons that this, that obviously Blade Runner may blow up and be huge is, I don't know if you guys seen the recent news, is that uh, Blade Runner 2049 uh, actually may have an appearance by Steven Seagal which could obviously make it a huge deal, right? Well, anyways, that's not really going to happen. However, a single Twitter user actually fooled the internet into thinking that Steven Seagal would be in Blade Runner 2049. Um, a guy by the name of Jesse Hawken, a writer that was based out of Toronto, uh, it was supposed to be a tweet that was intended to be funny uh, and harmless, but it ended up being shared and reported from Entertainment Weekly, IndieWire, and The Nerdist. <laughs> And uh, the writer basically tweeted out a scene of the movie with the comment, all I can say about Blade Runner 2049 is give Robert Deckens the Oscar now. <laughs> Absolutely stunning visual. Sounds pretty harmless, right? Well, the, <laughs> the picture showed the cityscape uh, from the movie, and one of the actual futuristic billboards uh, actually had Steven Seagal on it himself. <laughs> That's funny. And I put a link in the notes if you guys want to click on it and see it. But it's pretty hilarious to think that people actually thought Steven Seagal was going to be in this movie. Oh, my gosh. But if Steven Seagal was in this movie, do you guys actually think that it could have been a bigger hit than it may be? <laughs> that's the real question. No, I think if, uh, yeah. if we got Van Damme in, now that's, that's some news to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Did you see the picture? Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. That's pretty good. It, I like that. It, it, it looks pretty legit. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just wonder how they would have painted him in the movie. Would he have been a criminal or would he have been uh, the anti-hero maybe? Who knows? So uh, Maxwell, over to you, buddy. All right. So I know we are always looking forward to more Avatar news, and I'm happy to say <laughs> I have some great information for you boys. The sequels, first of which will be 11 years after the first one, in, which will take place in 2020 are all shot together, which we already talked about. Uh, all four sequels recorded back-to-back -back and then released over the next eight years. The last one in 2025 will cost a staggering $1 billion to make, which is <laughs> insane. Now, the original movie did profit like over $2 billion, So yeah. if he can make any of that money back, I'm sure it's the studio will just, love him more than they do. It's just like... Remember the Matrix sequels? And everybody's like so jized for the Matrix to come back, yes. right? And everybody's like, yes, the Matrix is finally coming back. And the sequels come out, and it's like, oh, well, man, these are very bad, like very bad and unenjoyable <laughs> films. But the first Matrix was so good, you could have never seen that coming. Right. This is, no, exactly this right. is Avatar. So, like, we all see it coming. Because, like... <laughs> Avatar was a bad film, so like, Defo gonna be very bad. Like, how many eight, eighteen? Did you say eighteen Avatar movies? Well, four of them total. <laughs> eighteen Avatar yeah. movies, all equally bad. Like, oh, James, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe he'll flip I, uh... the script, make him really good this time. I don't. Know. It seems uh, uh, he did call something unobtainium, so I'm not like loving it. But who knows? 
I mean, by I 2025, think... I already don't care about a sequel after the first one. And by 2025, I think I'm just going to have to just... I don't even know. I, just... I have no answer to this. This is just trash waiting yeah. to happen. Did you guys like when Avatar? Seen... Am I like talking? Am I like uh, telling tales of school? Now, Did you think Avatar was a good I, film? I thought I thought it was an okay movie, but completely overblown as far as like how I don't know. So I don't understand the yeah. hype. The way that I viewed it was a modern telling of Pocahontas. It literally had the almost exact same story as either Pocahontas or Ferngully. Right. Uh, but the only thing I really took away that I enjoyed about the movie was the the visuals. Yeah. That was really the only thing. In three D, if story, you saw it in two D, you wasted your time. Yeah, because yeah. at the time it was kind of oh sure ahead of yeah, its time. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but as far as the story or everything, I could take it. Or are we it's all collectively agreed as a people that we'd had enough of 3D movies? And please, can I take <laughs> yeah. these sunglasses off? The movie's yeah. very dark. Yeah, exactly. So this is—I mean, it's eight years. I just they don't care. Just like they built the park, and I'm—I don't care about that either. Yeah. Because uh, I think the next movie they said was supposed to be shot underwater or something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the whole the movies will take place underwater, the sequels. My theory is that they have underestimated how much of the box office of that first movie was just about like 3D versus yep. like the Avatar legacy. Because <laughs> like, right. I went and saw it because it was 3D and there weren't a lot of... Yeah. 3D right. movies at the time. It's like, yeah, I'll check this out. It, was it the first like major one? I, the, I think it was the, the first only... major one that didn't have red and blue glasses, or right, right, the right. fact that it of wasn't this... like just we're gonna throw shit in your face, right? Of this new wave, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know if people will be lining up in that same way unless this time James yeah. Cameron's like spraying water in your face or something. Like, like, new, <laughs> it's 4D ride. Yeah. Well, they did say sleep. that this will be the first uh, glasses-free 3D. Oh, but how do you That's, come back with the third you, one? <laughs> that sounds now yeah, it's I, mental yeah. 3D. It's just in your head. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the first movie I remember seeing in 3D before this movie came out was there was an animated movie. I think it was the 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 CG ver, the CGI version of Beowulf that had Angelina Jolie. In <laughs> oh, right on. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went in theaters to see that because that was like the first big, like the new 3D glasses type movie. Yeah. I went and seen that before seeing Avatar, and I think that's why I was so pumped for Avatar. I was like, man, new 3D is awesome. Oh my gosh. So I don't, I, I don't know. It's it's gonna take a lot. I mean, I'll, obviously, I I think I'll, all of us will probably at some point go see it. I don't think I'm gonna boycott it, but I'm going into it. I'll probably go on a Tuesday where it's cheaper. Sure. Uh, go down the old Pullman Square when I get the ticket yeah. half off. So, um, but yeah. So, all right. Well. Now, Justin, not Turd Ferguson, but Justin, I'm going to ask you, do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, I'm like, I haven't finished the very, I'm like one episode behind. I haven't finished the last one of this newest season. Okay. Well, you're already ahead of everybody else because on this cast, I am the only one that watches Game of Thrones. Okay, so, good. Uh, so it's at least nice to have one other person. But for Game of Thrones fans, uh, a lot of people are excited because Jon Snow and Egert, uh, they're actually going to be wed in real life. Um, which, for those of you that don't know, um, basically Jon Snow is played by Kit Harington and Rose Leslie uh, is is Ingrid. And they've actually announced their engagement. Uh, Kit and Rose actually met during season two of uh, Game of Thrones when their characters, Jon and Ergert. God, I'm just going to keep <laughs> continue to botch this name as many times as I can. That's what I'm trying to hold it together while you keep I know. the name. But they actually met beyond the wall. You guys probably don't even know about the wall. No, we don't. Um, when Jon's Ranger Patrol was actually ambushed by the Free Folk, also known as Wildlings. And she coined the phrase that, uh, you know nothing, Jon Snow. 
but you guys also don't know. I know that phrase. I've heard that phrase. Okay. Well, anyways. How many times do you think she's going to say that throughout their marriage? Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, that's... I mean, I'm not even Jon Snow, and I, I hear it a lot, so, <laughs> so I can only imagine how much uh, he's going to probably hear it. So. so that's some Game of Thrones news. So uh, anything, anybody have anything else before we move into gaming and tech news they want to add? I okay. think so. All right, Justin, you have the – or Turd Ferguson, Ferguson, you have the first story. Uh, well, Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor is one of the most anticipated games coming this year, but there was some controversy regarding some of the game's upcoming DLC. Uh, Michael Forgery, who was the executive producer on the game, uh, lost his battle with cancer last year. Um, and the studio, in an effort to memorialize him, made DLC in his honor. And the funds were supposed to go directly to his family. Unfortunately, due to like a lack of wording or transparency, um, there was some backlash from the community as to where those funds were actually going to go. And as a result, the DLC will now be free for everybody. And Warner Brothers will make a donation to his family on their own behalf. Wow. Yeah. Wait for them to step up. Yeah. Mm. What's well, sad, but it's very sad, very tragic. Um, <laughs> I heard a. Uh, I mean, oh. they. Yeah, it sounds like if I had to guess from this, and I know that like giving a huge company the benefit of the doubt is not. It's not always the the most chic thing to do, but I I my gut would be as being someone who's been in a company that's been involved with stuff like that before, probably just like didn't really think this one through seemed like a good idea, but didn't really think about how some of this stuff would, would come across, I think. Uh, so I don't know. It doesn't necessarily seem like anything nefarious. I, I would guess just seems like maybe didn't think through all the angles of this. And now they're kind of backpedaling. It's cool. I think it's cool enough that you see a large company that, that where this stuff is so fraught. I mean, as this proves, right? Like, stuff outside of the the usual is like it's tricky to do like there's a lot of real life stuff wrapped up in this and i think it's cool that they took a shot at it even if they maybe had a little problem with the execution there yeah um did you play the last lord of the ring or the you played it right this is almost as bad as me asking maxwell if he watches better call salt yes i played it you played it uh justin did you play (laughs) uh i think it's wonderful i'm I'm looking forward to the new one yeah same i keep thinking about going back and playing it again i don't really do that very often but i feel like this next one's close enough i should probably just chill on it yeah the combat in that game was just so good and the uh the system that they use for the war chiefs and everything is it's so so good everything i've read is basically they've taken everything that you love about the last game and they've just added more which i'm totally like destiny 2 exactly yeah justin Turd Ferguson. No, I said the first Middle Earth was the second worst. No, I'm kidding. I love the, I love Middle Earth uh, Shadow of Mordor. Except one yeah. prime example of that not working out is uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, take ooh. everything you've loved over the last three and then ruin it. But thanks for He's buying dead. it for me, Justin. <laughs> no problem. You're welcome. Yeah. Now, a game that I'm excited is coming out because I didn't really care for the last one. I'm probably one of the few people uh, that didn't care for it. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 actually enters open beta early October. Um, the beta actually officially gets kicked off for anyone and everyone from October 6th to the 9th. So the Reddit leak was kind of true. It was close. It had early access for pre-orders, and then it opened up to everybody. So Now, I bought the last the one uh, like a month or two ago when it was like $10 on PlayStation. and You I, got like the ultimate I edition, played, right? yeah, which is yeah. a good deal, 10 bucks, You get all the stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Four hours worth of playing it, and that's about it. So you yeah. got your $10 worth. I, I guess. I hope so. I mean, I don't quite feel like it, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a game that I was too fond of. And I thought... After everything has been made for it, and I got all the DLC for ten bucks, that it would have been 
a more enjoyable game. But I, I maybe I just had the expectations of a Battlefield game, and that's my fault. Yeah. Now, Justin, I know you play a lot of video games. Did you play the last Battlefront game? Uh, I put some time into it. Uh, stuff that's like purely PvP focused like that is not normally something that I uh, can get very deep into. Um, I, I I'm I'm usually somebody who likes to play solo stuff so i didn't get real deep into it but i could appreciate uh sort of what it was um but so wait real quick with that being said does that mean you haven't played player unknown battleground no i have actually played that but that's because we do a weekly stream uh of that so like you know uh, that's one of those games where one of the exceptions is i think when you have these games like destiny 2 and player unknown battlegrounds that are like critical mass in that you can almost always find somebody who wants to play who you know, because right. uh, I think it, where I lose interest is like playing with a bunch of strangers. It's just yes. like not. Yeah, I agree with you. There. Right, it's, it's just it's not enjoyable. Yeah. It's funny because Travis and I both have that game, and we've yet to play together. <laughs> I always play with a different group of friends because I yeah. get sick of talking to you. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm anxious to see though uh, what ends up shaking up with uh, this whole Fortnite mode. That's also oh, like yeah. PUBG. I'm kind of curious of. With uh, talks of lawsuits and stuff, if it, any of that comes to yeah, that's, so that'll be that's interesting because that game is like very, <laughs> very rough. Like I I got kind of deep into it because it has a lot of cool hooks, but man yeah. alive, does it have some like really serious glaring problems that I would hope they would address like before they <laughs> started ripping off Player Unknown. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that I, I think it's really strange that you can still craft while doing the the is it the battle royale? Is yeah, that, yeah. You can still craft while playing that game. So if somebody's coming at you shooting, you can just build a wall to block yeah. them. It's just really strange to it me. Is. But uh, well, let's talk about another game. Uh, so Ghost Recon, which I've played a fair amount of. It's another game that you and I haven't played together. But yeah. Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, is now getting their PvP mode called Ghost War. It's actually set uh, to release October 10th. Uh, PvP has always been something that's been lacking from the new Wildlands game. It's always been like four-player co-op, player versus environment, but they're now getting uh, PvP mode, which is cool. It'll just be a free update. Um, however, the question is kind of, is this too late? I mean, the game was released in March. Do you think this is going to be enough to have people go back and play this game that uh, has been out for a while? Um. I played the beta for it over the weekend, and uh, Ubisoft, they are just kind of doing this thing where, like with Siege, you have your operators, with For Honor, you have your special classes, and they're doing the same thing with this. You have, like, unlock people that have different skills and abilities. Um, It was good. Um, I don't know if it's enough to bring people back, because it's been so long, but we'll see. There's, I think, there's not a real... I'm trying to think if there's a true third-person shooter that does have PvP besides GTA V on yeah. this generation i can't really think right now but um yeah so that department is lacking currently so it is lacking but it's also a month after the destiny release so i don't even know if that ghost recon is is uh is even anything that's relevant anymore that's a good point so what is the number one selling game of the year so far wasn't it that is true it was that that was when did we say that when did we find that months ago I, yeah, yeah it's been months, months ago. ago which was still surprising yeah that is yeah it really yeah, was it didn't really uh, seem to be generating a lot of buds no, not at all. Certainly not now. Um, yeah. No. No. So Bad timing, I think, on that release. Yeah. Well, 
Since the dawn of time, or 2006, uh, Twitter has always allowed a maximum of 140 characters per tweet. Oh, man. That is changing. Oh, uh, due God. to a large percentage of tweets being sent out in the English language that has hit the 140 character limit, Twitter is experimenting with allowing 280... What's up? I'm just wondering, oh. I'm just wondering who they're going to limit to keep at 140 because there's oh. a few it's individuals being, that should. It's being tested right now. That's why it's just okay. got to a few. But um, okay. uh, allowing 280 character tweets and is this a good thing or a bad well, thing? I honestly don't know. With a different president, probably a good thing. But I mean, 140 characters and we're already on the verge of war, so I can't imagine what 280 <laughs> gets us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I know, like sometimes, like I'll tweet and I'll run out of room. And then sometimes I'll tweet and I'll still have like 80 characters left. I'm like, God, I got to fill those characters, those remaining characters. And I'll just like hashtag random stuff, you know, like, I don't know. So I really, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't tweet a lot. So to me, I could care less. Uh, Justin, I'm, I know Twitter is a big thing for you and uh, your brother. So um, I don't know. What is, what is your thought on this? What I said when I heard the news uh, was like the... I've always looked at Twitter and thought, man, I wish there was twice as much of this. And I'm, that's, that's about how I feel. Like I, I, I just, I don't, no it's like, it's weird. Twitter's a, I mean, it makes sense on the one hand. Cause like Twitter evolves really quickly as a medium of like what you use Twitter for and what is like acceptable use there. I just, I think that it, it feels to me, it's weird that they're rolling it out. Like, so what do you think? We're just trying it out. That's this is like twice. It's like such an inversion of what the thing is supposed to be that it seems really wild to me to just sort of like change that. It seems really, really wild to just sort of like flip the switch on that. I mean, I mean and to double it, you know, right away. Um, it's like it's it's a, it's almost a utility, right? It's like so you couldn't change in the, I'm trying to think of a way that you could change another utility in, in this fashion. Right. Like, I think that there's even like jokes that are funny because they are tweet length, like, because right. that's the room you have. Right. So yeah, right. it forces concision. Um, and, and in that sense, I think it's pretty good for writers like to be able to like condense your ideas in that way. And there's some things that don't fit in a tweet, but my impulse has always been like, if it doesn't fit in a tweet, you probably shouldn't put it on Twitter. It's probably not a good Twitter thing, I would guess. But I don't know. And I don't feel like 280 changes it so substantially that it just turns into like Live Journal or, or right. WordPress or whatever. So it's not like you can put whatever. It's just a different right. – a tweet becomes a different thing at that point. And, and the, I think the main problem I have is like if you're Twitter and you look at that service and you think that like – the big problem is that people don't have enough room to say what they want to say. Like that is problem eight bajillion on the Twitter <laughs> list of like reasons why that service is yep. really rough. Um, so it seems like a wild thing to, to shoot for first. Yeah. They got to get that bullying situation figured out before they talk about how many more lines you need. Yeah. yeah right. So that's, yeah, I, I don't tweet a whole lot. So to me, like I said, it doesn't matter. I'm just glad that they're not uh, trying to monetize it. Or they're just like, oh, how many characters you want for your, your account? If you want to pay $2 a month, you can have 300 Oh, yeah. I, or I if like they're or that. if like they're a business of some sort, you know, or, or established whatever, yeah. they could they charge them if they wanted more space or something stupid. So yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, 
thanks guys for all the uh, discussion of the news here. We're going to take a moment and listen to some words from our friends. Hi everyone, my name is Mystique Siren. I am partnering up with the guys at Nerds with Mics and I stream on Twitch. You guys can follow me at twitch.tv forward slash Mystique Siren. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I always post whenever I go live so you guys know and you don't ever miss a stream. I mainly stream Destiny, but I also stream Battlefield, Overwatch, and Borderlands. Um, MMOs, RPGs, first-person shooters, I love them. So um, I will see you there. So just follow. Thanks, bye. Hey, it's Nick from the NB Experience YouTube channel. Do you like new and retro video games? Do you like to laugh at stupid and inappropriate things? Do you like to watch people fail more often than not? If you answered yes to any or all or even none of these questions, check out the NB Experience on YouTube, VidMe, Twitch, and Twitter. I feature a wide variety of games from Pokemon to Super Smash Brothers to Shaq Fu. Subscribe to the NB Experience for this and much more. What's up guys? Welcome to another episode of Two Guys with Raging Goals. I'm Mikey and this is Adam and every Friday, every Friday we bring you a conversational podcast where we put together this set. Yes. We do real good work here. Yep. There we go. Pikachu. Alleluia. Every Friday, we bring a conversation to this table, and we discuss it for your enjoyment. Yes. If you like that, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Two Guys with Raging Goals. You can also head on over to Patreon.com slash Two Guys Raging. Throw us a couple bucks, keep the lights on, get exclusive perks, like the all-new Harry Potter series, Muggles at Large. You can also listen to Adam <laughs> click off head like a psychopath. All right. So welcome back, everybody. Um, so now we're actually going to get into the interview section that you've all been waiting for with Justin McElroy. Um, so without any further ado, um, so Justin. Yeah. Um, don't read along with this part, okay? Just kidding. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I've been a big fan of you guys for a long time. I've listened to nearly every episode of all your shows. Real big fan. So the first question, and I'm sure you get this a lot, but if you don't mind answering again... How did you meet Travis and Griffin? Uh, uh, they're actually my <laughs> brothers. Like you, they're my brothers. So work? I didn't meet meet them. Like I, how I don't understand. You say you're a fan, and yet that's a very obvious thing. Is that we wouldn't meet each other because they're my brothers. So like, why? No, yeah, I mean, I mean we never that, met yeah. each other because we were they're my brothers. You know, you just like, all have always been. Yeah, like how could you? N- I don't understand how you cannot <laughs> know that. Like, and that's your lead question because yeah, we didn't meet each other. You understand? Like, is that is that brothers. off-putting? Is that an off-putting question? <laughs> yeah, it's just like so bizarre because we're brothers. So like, we wouldn't have met each other. We were just born into the <laughs> same fa- same family. Now, did you misread the fairness, question? Maybe is that possible? Yeah. So let me let me let me. <laughs> did you M E A T them? No. Uh, in all fairness, like you, <laughs> <laughs> what? In all fairness, oh you gosh. are the the older brother. Indeed. So, um, do you remember now? Because there's just a couple years between you and Travis, right? Uh, three exactly. We have the same birthday. Wow. Okay. Same oh. birthday. Yeah. Wow. That's actually that's pretty cool. I had no what? idea. Um, uh, do you remember maybe meeting like Gruff, uh, Griffin, like his birth? Do you remember any of that? As a child, um, vaguely, we have home movies from that period. Um, it was sort of like 
it was 87, so it was sort of peak. Uh, every dad has a VHS camera, big ass yeah. VHS camera <laughs> slung across their shoulder. Yep. Um, so we actually have a lot of movies from right after Griffin came home from the hospital and actually right before he was born uh, that that uh, Griffin got really into watching when he was younger. He used to call them Griffin movies, actually. And he used to watch them like obsessively when he was a toddler. Um, it because he, you know, we had documented the things in his life that he did not remember. So, like in a way, I think he's probably internalized those. But I, but yeah, like I've seen, like I've seen video even like recently of like like watching that time period. So yeah, weirdly, I do, I do recall. No, that's cool. See, I'm the younger brother, so um, for me, it's a little bit different. My brother is three years older than me. Um, and he kind of remembers some of that stuff, like coming from the hospital, which is crazy to think of. Yeah. Um, but he was born in 1980. I was born in 84. And, um, so we don't really have any videos prior for whatever reason. I guess, like you said, it was 87 when every dad had their <laughs> yeah. camera. But, um, yeah, I just, I think stuff like that's super interesting. Uh, Travis is, um, an only child. Justin, you have a sister, right? Yeah, a little sister. Yeah. Yeah, so, I got we don't z- care about zero, you, though. But. Zero brothers. <laughs> We're not interviewing you. But oddly enough, I'm Travis, this is Justin, and that makes you, Maxwell, the odd person out, because you're not Griffin. So either you have to change your name, <laughs> or we have to replace you. Maybe so. we need to change your names, because there's already a, a Justin and a Travis that are uh, established. That's, that's yeah, true. You guys are just riding right on their coattails. Oh, No. <laughs> Um, so you guys started the podcast back in 2010. At what point, Justin, did things change for you? How do you mean? So that was when podcasting was still a very fresh medium. Yeah. Um, I guess like, so how did you know that the show was going to be successful? And what was it like changing for your everyday situations? Uh, so we started the show in 2010. And we joined the Max Fun Network in 2011, and I think that that's really when we started to to grow uh, pretty quickly. We sort of like doubled overnight, um, so uh, uh, that 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 was a big turning point, I think. Think for us, yeah. My uh, one of my questions is is it kind of goes, I guess, before this question technically, uh, but I just now thought of it is. What made you guys decide to start a podcast? Like, because I know with us, it was just, just with Justin and I, it was just a conversation that we had at lunch. It was just something that we always wanted to do. But with you guys, like, how did you really decide that you wanted to do it? And then how did you really decide, like, kind of the theme that you wanted to do? Because at the time, I mean, and it's still one of the only ones that I know with the type of, uh, I guess, the theme uh, of My Brother and My Brother. So I was just kind of curious of how that came about. Yeah. So, uh, in 2010, the boys moved to Cincinnati. Travis had been at college, but they moved, but then moved back home for a little bit, I think. And then Griffin had just graduated from Marshall, and it was the first time like I was sort of in Huntington by myself. And what we we, we sort of talked like we were a little bit worried about keeping in touch. So we thought that like our dad had done radio and for our whole lives and so we had some experience in that and then i've been working on uh, the joystick podcast um since about 08 i think so we 
thought, hey, well, maybe this would be a way that, to sort of force ourselves to to stay in contact because we have to have this conversation every week. Um, so that was sort of the inception. As far as like the advice thing, it was mainly a result of trying to find something that we all knew like equally little about and telling people how to live their lives is like right there in the sweet spot. Um, so you can bloviate about that pretty easily. So we, we, uh, we did advice. Yeah. Now, one of the big things that like, cause Maxwell asked, like, uh, you, you kind of talked about when you obviously joined the maximum fund network, that's when things really kind of to, to take off. What did you, did you really feel like you made it? Like when you guys were featured as one of Arby's <laughs> brilliant advertising campaigns? Um, that was not when I thought, what I found is like <laughs> these corporations have people working in their social media departments that will just go rogue and are apparently not under a lot of supervision <laughs> because <laughs> I cannot imagine the Arby's brand as a whole has a lot of affinity for the adventure zone, <laughs> but like someone in there has some sway who decided to, to go rogue. And, uh, I, that I thought that was pretty funny actually. It was, I seen it. I think one of you all yeah. shared it with me and I just, cause I've, I'll be honest, like Maxwell is the ones that kind of got Justin and I involved in listening to your all stuff. Uh, even though I'm local, like, uh, podcasting and stuff was still kind of new for me. But, uh, as soon as I started listening to the adventure zone, it I just immediately got hooked. Cool. So, uh, but then when I seen, uh, that Arby's ad, I just, with all the things I'd heard in the first 18 episodes, like everything that I seen in an Arby's ad just made sense to me and it was awesome. Cool. So. Yeah, I uh, I've been right along with you guys listening to every episode when you release them, and you guys, I have to say, it has been absolutely incredible the journey, and I I know you get this a lot. Obviously, it's insane to think how many people do um, like cosplay and fan art for you guys. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, we, we're really um, lucky. Yeah, so I I know you guys um, had a couple shows like Brooklyn and everything um, for Mabim Bam, but. People were still coming to that as Adventure Zone characters, right? Yeah, there's a there's a as you might imagine, there's a pretty sizable overlap between the two, right? The, um, so yeah, I, I I think people know that that's an, uh, a crowd of people that will get their cosplay. So, and and I think people have fun with it. So that's cool. That's awesome. You know, one thing that I would like to see is either Adventure Zone or my brother and my brother and me, um, like the video skits like they do with Drunk and uh, Drunk History. Uh huh. I would love for them somebody to like act out the conversations that you guys have. I think it would just add like a whole other level to it. It would just be incredible. But I know, of course, obviously, there's already um, what is that um, that D and D show that they do that with the animation. Harmon Quest. Harman yeah, Harmon Quest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, actually, some fans from Utah did a really cool fan video that was very much like that, where they reenacted in live action both the the D and D parts, but also us like talking at the table, um, which is very surreal to see other people sort of mouthing With our dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It was, it's wild. That would be <laughs> that would be a little uh, out of body experience, yeah. probably. So. so, so I know that Taco quickly became a Latino character in fan art, and that resulted in a concern for Taco's sister Chalupe when uh, she got brought in. Uh, and I know that was an issue for Griffin wanting to simplify her name to Loop to prevent upsetting fans and having like racial stereotypes. 
With the increased popularity of Mabimbam and Adventure Zone, how's it affected your jokes or where you want to take a joke? Like, I don't mind ripping Donald Trump apart, but I know that I can have some fans that could be upset with that. Um, you guys are substantially higher up on the charts than us. Uh, so again, how, do, how does that affect the way you guys do your jokes? Um, it started a long time ago. I mean, it really started with, with Mabimbam. And when we started, we were like three dudes who grew up in West Virginia and honestly were like good guys, at least try to be, but did not have a lot of exposure to uh, many people outside of our own experience. And I think when we started Mabim Bam, it like you, you felt like things were a lot more in a vacuum than, than they were. So as the show got, popular and sort of grew in popularity you started to hear from people when you would say something stupid that was sort of punched down uh, at a group of folks and you hear that a couple of times and I think you go one of two ways you either get super defensive about it or you try to accept that like maybe you've got some like some unhealthy uh, approaches to comedy and that so that's been something we tried really hard to do was to to um make a show that like everybody can enjoy and does, doesn't hurt people when possible uh, you know and and it tries its best at least to not hurt anybody um besides jugglers of course well jugglers are reprehensible people whose uh only skill hasn't been entertaining since the days of the Middle Ages, so I don't really care about hurting jugglers' feelings. Um, but uh, other than jugglers, I mean, obviously, right? So, um, no, I, I totally understand that. And you know, some comedians—that's what they're all about—is just offending every person they can offend. Um, I think you guys have done an excellent job of, you know, especially in Adventure Zone, um, but even with. My brother, you have done an excellent job in not really offending anyone that doesn't need it, you know, like jugglers. Yeah, we try. <laughs> I mean, we still screw up because we're humans and we don't understand everybody's perspectives. Um, but we try to listen and try to grow as much as we can. Well, and yeah. there's always going to be somebody that gets hurt or offended by something, always. Yeah, yeah it's tough. I mean, at, at a certain point, you have to say, like... I, you know, this didn't bother me, but obviously it's not my life experience, so I should just probably try to listen. Yeah, I. it's funny you should bring that up, because I actually want to bring up something that I was offended by. Uh, so I was listening to the last episode of Adventure Zone. I'm only on episode 18, so don't judge me. But you all made a reference to getting a hold of bad unicorn dick. And uh, <laughs> the fact that you would be eating unicorn dick kind of offends me. Okay. Well, it's just a fantasy show, and it's pretend and stuff. But I and um, you know, maybe once you make it into some of the later episodes, you'll understand a little better. But I think it was your uh, I think it was your dad that made reference uh, to somebody getting hold of bad bad unicorn dick, and you got and somebody was tripping. So yeah. I thought that was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good, dude. I laughed for probably twenty. Well, which minutes. is it now? Are, were you uh, were you offended? I wasn't really. Did you think I just it was great, and I, very funny, and good because it's one of. The, I think it's it, gotta be one of those two. There's the only options. I think it really comes down to the fact that he was jealous. He didn't get any of that unicorn dick. 
I didn't want to. I didn't want to say it. I, I now, didn't want to say it. That would it really be a unicorn if it has a dick, though? Why would a unicorn would be, not have a, a penis? It would be. Well, it'd be like a a binicorn. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't think that's a very good point. But <laughs> I mean, I understand what you were saying, but I don't. I'm not sure. I I understand your perspective on this. I'm trying to Fair listen enough. to you and grow, but it's, I'm not. I'm not honestly where you're coming from. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're going to edit that one out well, of the show. No, we're gonna, <laughs> no, don't you dare. I'm going to keep referencing it throughout, so you're forced yeah, to believe it in. <laughs> so we're, so, so we're going to use this as a way to, uh, to transition, to pivot, if you will, uh, to another magical creature. And by magical creature, I mean trolls. And not the kind of trolls you keep in your... Actually, the kind of trolls you do keep in your pocket with lots of hair. Right. So you guys had an experience recording trolls too, correct? No. It's the future from now. No, we well, it's the future. We're, we're not done we're it yet. Creating it, we are by cur- discussing oh. the fact that you've already recorded it. We are in currently, we're currently. No, this is not a time traveling thing. We are, we are going to be in the movie I, Trolls. I this is fantasy. Yeah. We are going to be in the movie Trolls Two. What we're currently figuring out is exactly the steps, the way that will solidify in the universe, because that's mm-hmm. the one thing that we don't know, and how we get DreamWorks to let us be in it or to how to alert dreamworks that we're going to be in it i think is the bigger question well after discussing it on this show once you get in there i think we can all thank us yeah for that oh, all right well, <laughs> you're welcome i know what no, but, bread is buttered so, on so <laughs> when can we expect another episode of uh the McElroy's will be in trolls too because uh listen man I'm addicted to that now. It's like three episodes, and that's it. I Come know. On. I really like doing that show, but it is also the one show that we don't have that does not help to feed and clothe our children, and so it right. tends to take <laughs> backseat to other stuff with ads Understandable. and what have you. I do love about- the narration aspect of it, though, that you do. It's great. Oh, yeah. Thanks. That's really that's really fun. I, uh, I really think you should bring back the things that you buy from Sheets and review it, because... <laughs> That's what I really miss more than anything. Dwight and I are currently working on a new project related to things I bought at Sheets. Um, we're okay. we're we're trying to uh, we're exploring some other avenues uh, that I think will be very uh, 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 fun. Well, I do like the fact that you introduce him as your special guest every single time, just for the re- for the record. <laughs> so. Now, Maxwell, you want to get into uh, some fan questions? Yeah. So we reached out to some uh, listeners um, and our social media. Uh, Facebook and a lot on Instagram. So, uh, a big listener of ours, Justin Zorner, asked: During the zombie apocalypse, who would you rather have on your team, MacGyver, who would be extremely useful, or a Terminator to protect you? Uh, probably Terminator. That's probably short-sighted, but I'm going to be doing a lot of hiding. So I would prefer to know that like my back is covered. I feel like MacGyver's good on offense, you know, which seems counterintuitive, but like MacGyver's like a very active person. He's he's doing things, and sometimes he's getting out of scrapes. But a lot of times he's like he's doing stuff, and I wouldn't be doing anything. I would be just trying, just hiding. So I basically want somebody to help me hide. Well, there's a couple concerns here. So MacGyver can make shit out of basically anything. Which could be helpful in an apocalypse when there's not a whole lot of stuff. But the Terminator could turn on you at any time. 
Well, you didn't introduce that the Terminator was fickle. Like, a fickle Terminator is not necessarily I want some, some of my team. He's, he's tainted. Again, he would have no beef with me because I'm not going to leave, lead any human revolutions or anything. I'll be hiding and kicking it. That's, that I is gotcha. literally it. All right. Well, that's a, I appreciate the answer, and I know Justin Zorn is going to like hearing that. So, um, so we're going to get into some of our Instagram friends. So, Ridge Dog a.k.a. Ridgely Walker on Instagram, uh, who, by the way, does a killer taco cosplay. I don't know if she's been in any of your shows or anything, but she posts them up, and it's incredible. What was the most unexpected moment in the Mabim Bam podcast? That's a tough one. I feel like there's too many. I feel like there's too many. We've been doing them for seven years. Uh, The most unexpected, I think, is the people that we found out that have listened to it and enjoyed it. Like, the first one that I ever heard about was Liz Gilbert, who is the author of the Eat, Pray, Love. And finding out that she listened was like very bizarre to me because she's like seemed like a real person with real things to do. And it, it was <laughs> wild to me that somebody who was like smart and successful would listen to us bloviate about stuff, which is not to disparage our beloved listenership. There are many of them that are wonderful, accomplished people, but it just really kind of caught me by surprise. Understandable. Yeah, that's awesome, though, to, to get that feedback from people. Um, so Kaiser underscore 59 on Instagram, a.k.a. Zach, asks, well, he says, ask him about Skyline Chili. It's a Cincinnati thing. That's pretty vague. It's good. We got two in Florida. It's good. <laughs> so. It's good. I like it. Not it's good everybody does, but I do. Yeah, it's a guaranteed way to get your bowels moving. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, fair cool. enough. Cool podcast. Thomas, here. yeah. <laughs> we talk about poop too much. Okay. Big gulp, huh? Well, see you later. <laughs> um, so Thomas.j99 on Instagram says, I've got to know what Island Boy's top five games are. <sighs> Man, that's tough. Um, Deep breath. So this is not going to be complete, and I'm probably not going to remember everything, but um, some that spring to mind are definitely... Oblivion is one of them. Um, My number one game of all time is uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. I think it's the best game ever made. Oblivion is my favorite game. so those would definitely be in the top two. Um, I think Seaman would definitely be up there. Uh, I it's it's a very it's a that's a wild game, uh, and I and I, and there's really nothing else like it. It would be very high up. Uh, beyond that, um, like a top five is, is is tough. I'm like racking my brain about other things that I've like really. Um, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, I would probably put up there. I think that's a really marvelous, uh, like one of the most marvelous and sort of underrated games of, or at least underappreciated games of the last decade. And, um, gosh, I guess the second Mass Effect would be up there. Um, I, there have been very few games that have had like that level of emotional impact on me, um, and at number five, I'm going to say, 
I think I'm going to say her story because FMV is like a genre that's always been really important to me and something I really loved. And it it took that thing that I've always really believed in and made it into an experience that like everybody kind of saw the value of. Um, and I I have to give it credit for that. So I guess those those five, I guess. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting games that I adore, but... Those are the I mean, that's definitely a hard thing to answer, and those are that's an excellent list. It is. I've heard of all those games, but C Man. I did look it up. It's a Dreamcast title, is that right? You never heard of that? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah the little fish with the face on them. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a it's a sort of like a Tamagotchi, except you raise this fish in captivity, except the fish has a human head, and you teach it to speak and teach it things about you and it remembers things that you tell it. So it like learns language and learns about you and, uh, you have to take care of it. And also Leonard Nimoy was the narrator. Wow. Of Seaman. Um, it's an amazing thing. It sounds like the microphone attachment too. Yeah. It sounds like, it it sounds like the video game version of a Furby. Not too far off. Much more surreal. And I also had, um, jelly vision. Well, used to be jelly vision. Now is Jackbox. Uh, the company that did You Don't Know Jack yeah. uh, was the one. Who, yeah. They did like the, um, I guess, localization for that. So like he was really funny and dry and said a lot of really strange stuff. Uh, it was just a really cool uh, all around project. Well, I'd like to say I could check it out, but I don't think I can unless I can get my hands on it. On a Dreamcast? <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So we'll try to get through the last few here before we don't take up too much of your time justin um so valkyrie 9210 on instagram katie sheed says i'd like to know how the dynamics of podcasting have changed for him since starting a family and if it's any different now that all three hosts are dads (sighs) mainly just like scheduling is a lot tougher i mean that's a boring answer but it's it's honestly true um there have been a lot of times where we have uh had recordings that we've had to scrap because somebody's kid is sick or somebody's, I mean, just like with this interview, like I had to change it because my, uh, care for my daughter didn't pan out. So like there's stuff like that is, is pretty constant. Um, but I think it also makes me a little less tolerant of, uh, we, we're much more focused, I think, than we used to be. Um, when we're recording, we we are much more sort of oriented on making sure that we're doing really good work because the work that we're doing is taking time away from our families. So, uh, we always try to make it really, you know, make sure we we land stuff and try to take it really seriously. So, she also asks, "Do you feel famous?" Do I feel famous? No, not at all. I mean, it's a very, mine is a very contextual fame. (laughs) I mean, we have long talked about the fact that like, because podcasting is what it is. And, um, I mean, partially because it's audio. So even a lot of people who listen to me don't know what I look like. There's a very surreal thing where uh, we can go to a live show and run down a, a line of like, 2000 fans that are standing outside waiting to meet us and we high five everybody and, and everybody's like knows who we are and is excited to see us. And you get past that line of people and it's like this like weird bubble 
disappears. You know, it's like all of a sudden nobody knows who I am because why would they? <laughs> like you go to high five somebody on the street and it's just somebody who happened to be walking on the street there. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm not actually famous. I'm famous <laughs> within this like very specific sliver of of people. It's fun to pretend, but uh, no, I don't. I don't think of myself that way. <laughs> to me, I mean, obviously I'm not famous in any aspect on the internet or in real life, but to me, it seems like a better way to to be, I guess, quote unquote, famous. Like I'd rather have, like in your scenario, those people that are connected and they're, they all seem deeply connected to you guys, versus just you know being Tom Cruise walking down the street and literally everybody's going to bombard you and you can't even go to the store. Yeah, it seems like that would get old. Like uh, I, I would think the novelty of that would wear thin pretty quick. And the cool thing about having people who are passionate about stuff is like I don't get a lot of people who are like. Or sorry, I don't have any people ever in my entire life who are like, hey, you're that guy from that thing. It's like, which I bet if you're on movie posters, you probably get a whole lot of people like sort of knowing who you are and wanting to capitalize on the opportunity of meeting you, but not really understanding who you are, what you do. Uh, So I think that would be pretty awkward. And you probably haven't had any too many, hopefully not, uh, instances where somebody has kind of been upset with you or been more angry to see you in person. Uh, no, not a lot, luckily. That's good. All right, so Big Mike TG on Instagram, Mike James, says, I want to know when Keenan and Kel are coming on Mabim Bam. Um, they're, uh, I mean, especially, uh, Kel is like, or no, sorry, Keenan rather, um, it, it was on, is on, is still on? SNL and is like yeah. the longest running cast member I know. <laughs> currently in the second of all time. So like he's a busy fella. I'd love to have him or Kel on the show, but uh, it is not materialized as of yet. I'm sure 50% of that is probably likely because I don't know what else Kel's doing. I you know <laughs> your guess the... is as good as mine. He may be very busy. I don't know. Maybe so busy. I he was at... up. <laughs> he was at the comic expo that I was just at in Cincinnati last weekend. Oh, was it? Yeah. I didn't get to meet him, but I did see him. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. Um, so, at Cerevo on Instagram, also known as Hunter, has some incredible artwork of Taco and Loop. Um, if you guys get a chance, I would definitely recommend checking it out. But they, Hunter asks, what's your favorite thing about the Adventure Zone? Um, honestly, the fact that we try to tell... We try to tell the sort of stories that we want to to be in the world, and the fact that that has resonated with people and has helped people to feel good and feel welcomed and loved uh, is probably the thing that I'm I'm proudest of. Um, that's that's really flattering that people can be having a bad day or or whatever and listen to the show and feel a little bit better. And if I can do that, then I feel pretty good about uh my whole life so uh i think it would it would probably be that yeah i uh i i do need you to do me a favor though sorry to jump in maxwell but <laughs> if you could record the voice of taco in the Waze app to navigate directions and send it to me that'd be great shit um if they would have <laughs> cut me a check i'd, I'd do anything <laughs> <laughs> they should do that because <laughs> they now let you do that in the app and maxwell i think was supposed to be doing one as doing impersonations of people, but I just thought that would be funny. If you could maybe sell it to them, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll, I'll get right on that. <laughs> uh, so we got two more, and then um, we'll be closing out the show here. So 
Beaks and Geeks on Instagram, aka Birds, aka Birds and Nerds, aka Claws and Flaws. So I don't know who's <laughs> what their real name is. Uh, <laughs> ask, would you rather fold laundry or do the dishes? The age-old question. <laughs> he dreads both. I, I hear it in his voice. Yeah, I mean, I no, I hate folding laundry. I think more than anything, doing the dishes is like. I I will put off laundry for so long. Like, I, do you guys ever do the thing where you like you do a load in the dryer and then it's like you just leave it there? And I will, and then you can do like the where you throw a wet towel in or something and run it again to try to get the wrinkles out. I'll do that like three or four times. Sometimes like, no, I'm definitely gonna fold it this time. This is the time I'm gonna fold it. Uh, I hate yep. I hate folding laundry. Um, I don't like doing the dishes either, but that can be at least like. I don't know that that can that I find it slightly more palatable than folding laundry, especially if you have a dishwasher versus doing it by hand. Well, I don't necessarily count uh, pressing a button as washing the dishes, but I guess <laughs> if we're bringing the again, you're changing the goalposts on me. Like at first, you give me a Terminator <laughs> that'll turn on me, and now hey, I'm just saying dishwasher usage a... is allowed. Like. <laughs> Just saying, it makes it a lot more, you know. Yeah. Enjoyable if if you, I had a machine that folded it. the laundry, that would be my exactly. choice. <laughs> yeah. Where's that invention? <laughs> my clothes will make it to the basket and into the room, but then never come out of the basket. Oh yeah. So then yeah. I have to and take you just live out of the, the basket. Dryer. It's like, well, I guess yep. this is where I keep my clothes now. They stay in this <laughs> yeah. basket. Why did Why did I buy a dresser? Yeah. <laughs> That's the true question. All right. So last question here, uh, Al Almad Donovich. I don't know. On Instagram, aka Ali Madden asks, with what with the episode 30, 360, so we actually uh, posted this question a while ago, uh, on episode 360 going up last week and taking a bit of time to reflect on the maturation of Mabim Bam, when do you feel like you really came into your own on the podcast? Um, that. That's tough. I mean, it depends on how you define it. Um, we did... I think the closest I could say is we did an episode and this touches on what we spoke about before, but we did an episode about furries that we were very, um, we were very hard on furries and we didn't know any furries in real life. So we were very hard on them and made a lot of jokes at their expense that were very cruel. And then after that episode went up, we heard from them and they, you know, we started hearing, getting tweets from people who were like, Hey, I'm a furry. And that really sucked. And seeing that really changed our perspective on how we make the show and like what what the, what that show is to people. And um, after that, I think is when we started working a lot harder to make something that as many people as possible could enjoy and and um, didn't take swings at stuff we didn't know anything about. Um, so if I had to point to a single incident, I think that that would probably be it. That's big um, and understandable. Again, I, I, it kind of ties in with some of the other questions, you know, about the uh, like the growth of you guys on the shows. And mm -hmm. I, it's always nice to hear the kind of the behind the scenes stuff. And again, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast today and answer our questions and partake in some of the news and, of course, answering some listeners questions. So before we end this show completely, we do a little segment called Pick of the Week. Um, where basically we just take something that we all have been enjoying the last few days and just kind of 
give us a little info on it. So normally we do a little intro sing thing. We're probably going to skip it this week for the sake of you. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So uh, Justin will traditionally go first. So what do you got for us? Uh, My pick this week is Destiny 2. I finally got to sit down with it a little bit more. Uh, Not necessarily since the last time we recorded, but um, just I've been thinking about it more and just... It's my pick of the week this week. Are you sure you didn't pick that because he busted your chops at the end? I had you went it on and there scrolled before. all the way to the bottom and I just had, typed it in. No, I had it on there before. I, uh, bet, I bet you did. I did. <laughs> so, Maxwell, what about you? Um, well, I didn't fill anything in, but just speaking today it reminds me of, uh, I mean, obviously the connection here with the Adventure Zone and just the story through that whole thing. And, Travis, I'm glad you're finally getting in on it. Um, but, man, I know you guys, Justin, have been doing that, what, three years now? Adventure Zone? Um, yeah. Yeah, because we started when my daughter was born. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible. The story you guys have pulled together is just phenomenal. Um, I really look forward to being able to get a hold of the graphic novel through Amazon when that's available. Um, and give the, our props to Griffin. I know he gets a lot for the story and the control and the tie back that he's done, but... Um, obviously it wouldn't be the same without all of you guys on there and, uh, your dad Clinton has done a phenomenal job as well. And it's really, really cool to just, uh, hear and see you guys, you know, as a family traveling across the country to do these different, uh, live shows and stuff. And, um, congratulations, man. It's just been phenomenal. Thanks very much. All right. My pick, God, I feel like after, after going after you, Maxwell, I feel like a piece of shit. Um, so, so mine is a a program actually. I don't typically do very many programs, uh, as my picks, but this one is a little different. Uh, it's called Bluestack. Um, it's a free application that allows you to essentially install a virtualized version of Android on your computer. So if there's any, like I'm an Apple user, so I own zero Android devices, but there are some apps occasionally that I would like to check out on Android. Uh, This app is free. You install it on your Mac or PC, and it gives you access to the Google Play App Store. Anything that you would normally be able to download on an Android device, uh, you can use it on your computer. Um, So there's a couple like gaming and news apps and stuff like that that aren't available on iOS that's available on Android, and that's kind of one of the things that I use. So Bluestack, if you've ever wanted to check out any Android apps, it's free. Download it, install it. So that's mine. So other Justin, what about you? Uh, my pick is going to be uh, uh, a game called Heat Signature um, that is made by uh, uh, Tom Francis, who made another game called Gunpoint, uh, which is also very cool. If you've played Gunpoint, it's it's a new game from him. Um Heat Signature is sort of like, sort of like Hotline Miami, and then it's a uh, top-down, small character uh, running through uh, uh, scenarios and trying to take down enemies as quickly as possible, and have to be very deliberate because one shot can kill you. Um, but you are uh, sort of a, a space uh, mercenary, I guess, for lack of a better term. So you're. Uh, taking missions where you have to pilot a little drone and like dock it on ships and then storm the ship and kill someone or rescue someone or, or whatever. Um, and, uh, then either, you know, return back to base with the person or steal the ship. If you want to, if you want to do that, uh, you can do that. And you can also, uh, one thing that's really neat about it is you can pause at any point and teleport items that are on the ship into your hand. So if somewhere there's, uh, 
a concussive gun that'll knock somebody out on the ship. You can just teleport it right to you and use that to, to knock people out. So you can chain together a lot of really cool stuff, but uh, that's heat signature and it is very fun. Yeah. It looks like it's available on steam. It's on sale for 1350. Yep, so. it's, it's a really cool little game. Yeah. It looks really neat. It does. So, all right, Maxwell, over to you for closing, sir. Yeah, buddy. So, uh, Justin, if there's anything that you want to tell our listeners, um, before we close out here, uh, anything you want to mention shows or your book or anything coming out? Yeah, you can pre-order our graphic novel at theadventurezonecomic.com and uh, you can find all the podcasts and shows we do at McElroy, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y, shows.com. And then I'm Justin McElroy on Twitter if you want to follow me there. Awesome. Again, much thanks. Uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Um to join us today and thanks for everybody that's listening we look forward to hearing from you as always you can like and follow us on facebook twitter twitch instagram and youtube and our newest account on vidme you can also reach us at email is podcast at nerdswithmikes.com and of course our website is nerdswithmikes.com and we also have a store that you can link through the website um and that is it so thanks again everybody take care